you have to understand like why you're doing it. It's like I'm I'm doing this because I'm investing. I'm buying a piece of a company. I'm going to be ultimately an owner of this. So I want to know what's going on. I want to make sure that my money is not going to go to zero. So you have to have that type of mentality as opposed to, oh, this company is so sexy. It's going to have like double digit growth forever. You know, whatever the media is splashing in headlines, right? You got to dig way deeper. Look for the risks. What is your downside? What is the worst case scenario? Everything else is a bonus. No one ever worries about whether a stock is going to do well. You worry if it's going to do poorly. Yeah. Oh, I'm worried it's going to go up 50%. No, no one worries about that, right? It's, oh, shoot, I'm worried that they're going to, you know, lose sales, lose market share, and my money's going to, like, go down, right? That's what we, you have to mitigate your risks and know what you're in for. This the personal finance show Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys and this is the Personal Finance Show. Michelle Hung is on a mission to empower women to take control of their finances by providing them the education and support in order to gain the confidence they need to make their own investment decisions. Michelle has a degree in math. She's a chartered financial analyst and worked on Bay Street as an investment banker for seven years. But instead of keeping all this financial knowledge to herself and continuing to make buckets of money in IB, as she calls it, Michelle decided to focus on helping others. Michelle wrote a fantastic investment workbook called the Sassy Investor, which was just released in early 2019. As you'll hear in the interview, I'm a huge fan of this book. It's colorful and fun, and you can even color in it. But it also breaks down personal finance and investing so it's easy to understand. As she states on page six of the book, Michelle wrote The Sassy Investor to create an inviting and comforting environment for women when dealing with finances. I like this book so much, Michelle agreed to give me three copies to give away to my listeners. To enter the giveaway, head to bowhumphreys.com slash giveaway before March 31st, 2019. And if you're listening to this after the giveaway is closed, you can get a copy of the book for yourself at thesassyinvestor.ca. Michelle joined me in the studio in Hamilton to share her personal finance story. to Canada. I was born in Vancouver and then we moved to Toronto when I was uh, really, really young. So they just, you know, worked their way up. Money was, we never talked openly about it. Okay. But we were very frugal. I was very fortunate. So you could feel that influence uh, from them? Like yeah, you, yeah. You kind of knew that, uh, you know, you just, frugality is important in Yeah, life. it was very important to live within your means and, you know, I lot of times where I wanted something like a toy mom would say no just outright no didn't give me a reason she'll just <laughs> give me those those strict Asian like tiger mom <laughs> eyes and be like no. no and then I would not even question her <laughs> uh, but of course like 
you know, Christmas came around, we, you know, we would get one toy and I felt very blessed and looking back, obviously very lucky to be able to have that type of life. It's, it's really interesting though. Like a lot of kids are, especially these days are just not used to hearing no. And so you had a little bit of no from the beginning there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it got you used to like, if you hear no from, so you're not maybe so afraid of somebody saying no to you or you don't know, you know what to do with that. Exactly. I don't kick and scream. There was none of that. Yeah, um, okay. And I'm watching my little cousins grow up and the Christmases are crazy. They have their, their own sections when it comes to Christmas gifts, like Isn't a that section. Nuts? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I'm like, you guys are so lucky, but Hey, that's, I guess a product of having so many ants, right? It's not and like cousins. we're like 65 years old or anything. I feel like we just went through this sort mm-hmm. of, well, how old are you? I'm 34. 34 and mm-hmm. I'm 38. So we're, we're sort of the same generation. Mm-hmm. You're much more of a, a millennial. Yes. Uh, yes. Than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so 34, what, what year are we in? So that's 1984? Yes, that's yeah, correct. Okay. So that's like center of millennial. Yes, uh, exactly. Category. The mid, yeah. You're like the cusp. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, edge, I'm, yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I'm, <laughs> I, that's what I like to say. <laughs> Some people will push me into the Gen, Gen X, X. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I guess I'm an Xennial, which is uh, sort of, that's the cusp, yes. right? Between Gen X and, mm-hmm. and millennial. So you grew up and you just frugality was, what did your parents mm-hmm. uh, do? Well, how long were they here before you were born? Just a few years, okay, I yeah. think. So my dad came here. He's a chef. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so f- blessed with so much good food. Sure, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when he came here, like he started off as a dishwasher, just like a lot really? of immigrants here that j- they're getting on their feet. So just started from the bottom up, mm-hmm. renting a place from a friend that's been here a bit longer, then moved our way up to, you know, buying an apartment um, and then a house. So we moved up to being, you know, a middle class family in Scarborough and Markham. Mm-hmm. When did you uh, come over from Vancouver? Oh, I was maybe three years old. When you, so, so when you were really young. Really young, yeah. So was there opportunity up- here then for your uh, your parents, like better work here or connections? Um, yeah, just, yeah, some definitely connections in the restaurant space. Yeah, um, okay. My mom worked at, uh, she was a waitress. She worked at St. Hubert's. Oh, wow. Um, and okay. Chalet, yeah. <laughs> so everyone was in, the, my parents were in the restaurant business. Yeah. And yeah, just like raising two children and yeah, raising a family and trying to build a life here. It started from the bottom up. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and uh, are they retired now? Yeah, my mom is retired. My dad's still working a bit. He's actually at the Hilton okay. in Markham. Wow. So he does private dining. Started off as a dishwasher. Now he's, you know, an executive chef and he creates menus and just... That's amazing. Mm-hmm, and he's had a really great career. He's cooked for, you know, like celebrities, Jackie Chan. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very so, cool. Yeah. So he's very, um, I guess he's pretty, um, I would say, popular in the Chinese community in terms of Chinese cuisine. And you didn't want to go into, like, I'm sure you're a great cook, but <laughs> you, you didn't want to go into the profession? Um, no, my mom, like my parent, well, specifically my mom, she wanted me to get an education and not work as hard because restaurant, the restaurant business is like just a lot of hours, a yeah. lot of work. They actually had their own restaurant um, way back in Vancouver. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then they said, they closed it down. They're like, it's way too much work. It's really stressful. We don't want to be... Um, at least at that time, my dad didn't want to be a business owner anymore. So he gave that up and then just... It's not for everybody. It's right? not for everyone, it, exactly. Like you said, it does take a lot of work and they just wanted to focus on 
working for somebody else and getting getting the money, getting exactly. the paychecks. Exactly. Yeah. It seems when you're a business owner, which you you are now. Exactly. Yes, I am. <laughs> the money, like you make the money, and then then you spend the money, and mm-hmm. you're not taking it from anyone That's except correct. for clients. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you work for somebody else, the clients pay them, and then they pay you, and it, it uh, you know it's it's a nice arrangement, but. There are some, as you know, there are some drawbacks. Yeah, yeah, drawbacks to to both situations. For sure, exactly. So, and we'll get to that mm-hmm. uh, in terms of your current situation. So, yeah, let's go back then. So, you're learning with frugality. Your parents are working hard, trying mm-hmm. to. So that does that mean? Did you? Uh, when did you start? Did you start to work in the restaurants uh, at all? Did you get into there when you were younger? Oh uh, no, I never worked um, in the restaurants. I've never. No, I've never worked in a restaurant. No, no. no. So they. It, it seems like they maybe actively kept you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that or they just wanted me to, you know, go to school, study hard, study lots, get an office job so I could work nine to five <laughs> and not work as many hours as my dad. It's funny how that, like, we think that's the ideal, right? Mm-hmm. When, when we're, we're doing something else than that. Mm-hmm. And then when you start doing it, you're like, man, I, I can't wait to get out of this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are my parents talking about? Like, this sucks. <laughs> definitely, like, yeah, like, I can understand what, what they're saying. Like, it's not as long hours. And it definitely, knowledge work is not as grueling, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's, you know, it's taxing in the brain. It's, it's, it can be stressful. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, you're not on your feet, you know, for 12 yeah. hours or whatever exactly. shifts that they would do. Yeah. And so did you, does that mean you didn't work during high school or anything? I did work in high school. I started off, um, as soon as I turned 16, I got a job at High and Zell's. Okay. A supermarket. High and Zell's, also a supermarket. Yeah, nice. it doesn't exist. Okay. I don't think it exists anymore. No, I know the name though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I started off there and then I worked at A&W. Nice. And then I did, I worked at Lingerie and Company. I think they're owned by Lavion Rose, which is... Yeah, I think they still exist. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so retail in for malls, a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like all, these are all, these all seem like mall. Uh, yeah, mall jobs. Mall yeah, jobs, retail. Yeah. And then I moved up. I started tutoring math. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I was in high school tutoring math, and I was making twenty dollars an hour. And back then, even now, it's very decent, especially for a, a high school student. Hmm. So that, that's actually yeah, that's great. Twenty. Uh, not not that it's you know eight hours a day or anything no. like that, right? But you know, for whatever part time hours you were getting, exactly. And of course, this is a bit foreshadowing, but that me- that means you were, were very good at math in high school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was good at math. And uh, so, and we'll, and we will get to that in mm-hmm. a sec. So you're making money for what in high school? Like what? What are you using this money for that you're getting from these jobs? Just for fun. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, buy clothes and go out, and that's it. There was just, there wasn't really a particular reason except for hey i want to be a, an adult and work and make money <laughs> yeah that's right because before that just for a little bit i didn't start getting an allowance until i was in grade nine so 14 oh really so mm-hmm. that late yeah yeah so my mom gave me i think maybe ten dollars a week and she's like here's your lunch money <laughs> and ten dollars a week it went a long way because food was pretty cheap back then i really? buy like a patty for a dollar okay, or even sure. like some fries so you for could get a lunch toonie tuesday did you have that yeah toonie tuesdays <laughs> Yeah, the KFC. Yeah, yeah. My high school was right next to Markville Mall. Yeah, I don't know why that that's a thing, but wow, it's so ubiquitous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. So you're actually able to make do with that five mm-hmm. or ten dollars, yeah. but not not for a while, not forever. 
No, not forever. But I was really good at saving. I didn't buy lunch every day. It was, uh, okay. you know, I just didn't want to eat cafeteria food every day. So I would bring my own lunch. And then before I knew it, I've saved enough, you know, like a month goes by and I'll check my little pouch and be like, oh, cool, I have $40. I can go out and go eat at a restaurant with my friends or go watch nice. a movie. So this natural frugality, which you seem to mm-hmm. have inherited. Yeah. So it, it, it was working out for you. And then you're like, well, I want to buy this thing. And of course, mom and dad would probably say, no, you can't have that thing. Mm-hmm. Or you can have one of the things. And you're like, I want more things. <laughs> so you go in and uh, work for yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, they weren't um, for other big, bigger ticket items, like you know, back to school shopping. My sure. mom would, you know, go shopping with me. Right. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I never really had to ask for money throughout school. I was a very busy kid. I yeah. was in a lot of extracurricular activities. So I wasn't really I'm sitting around. I'm bored. I'm going to go to the mall and buy things. No, I was my life was never growing up like as a high school student. I was never like that. I've always had something to do. Yeah. So which kept me out of one, kept me out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, but two, like just. It's good for, you know, development, not going to the mall and spending money or buying coffee and just just spending period. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, because a lot of people who are like the money just disappears. I feel like the people who just have money and and it stays in savings and they're like, yeah, you know, money's just there. It's because they don't have time to spend it. Right. Exactly. Or, or, or waste it or the things that they're doing to keep busy mm-hmm. are actually making the money as well. Exactly. In some way or another. Yeah. Right. Or furthering their skills or, or uh, future career or education. And so you ended up uh, getting it at what you went for a degree in math. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. At Waterloo, so you love yes. math so much. <laughs> now, th- now, this isn't like, you know, if you go for a degree in math, this becomes way different than the math that we learned in, in uh, high school, right? Like this is fundamental, like stuff that, that uh, like practical examples don't really apply here, right? No, it was like 95% of the stuff I learned. Like all the math stuff I learned yeah. does not apply. Yeah. Ever. It's a lot of theory. Um, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. It's just... But, but you liked it. I did not like it. Oh, you didn't <laughs> no. like oh, okay, so. <laughs> I actually almost dropped out of my math program. Oh, really? Yeah, first year because I was struggling. Yeah, yeah. In high school, it was easy. Um, and then it was a huge change. During first year, I'm like, oh, I'm almost failing. I'm going to be put on probation. I don't like it. It's hard. Wow. And then I just got my act together. I stuck around. And mainly because, and I thought about switching schools. Um, going to York or something and, and doing like a, a business, getting a business degree. Yeah. But then it was really like I was way too lazy to do the paperwork and transfer. <laughs> I already moved to Waterloo. So I was like, all right, I'll just stick around and study better, study smarter, get help and just work harder, put in more hours. So and for something like math, like is it really just is it memorization and just understanding, like really working on the concepts until you understand them sort of thing? Yeah, it's a lot of practice. And yeah. mainly it's the it's understanding it, because I found that a lot of the profs, you know, they're Ph.D. Mm-hmm. people, they're researchers. Everything's intuitive for them. And I remember one prof saying, oh, intuitively, like he would say that all the time. I'm like, it's not intuitive. Are you crazy? Like, I'm 19 years Can't just old. Throw that word around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it just and that's the big disconnect between. I guess people that are um, profs that are teaching this mm. type of material, and yeah. then here we are, like fresh brains, and we're trying to grasp this in such a short period of time. Yeah. So you just really have to put in so many hours, um, and get help, and getting people, getting the TAs to get you to understand, help, getting them to break everything down. Yeah. So 
uh, that you understand. So I went up. So I remember there was one time I went to a TA and I'm like, I don't understand this. I just don't. And then I got him to, he's like, okay, here's a circle. And then he drew something. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Just <laughs> okay. as simple as drawing diagrams. Everybody learns differently. Exactly. This is, this is goodwill hunting stuff, right? Like, but they put it like a problem on the board and. <laughs> here's a proof. What, like, here's a proof and. You know, I love uh, yeah, it. I, I love it. Yeah. And were your like, I mean, not to focus on Goodwill Hunting so much, <laughs> but were your were your professors like the same sort of caliber as what you would see in that movie? Like the guy who's like, you know, he's you know done got all these awards and all that kind of stuff, or uh, in math, some of them, because maybe some of them, some of them were really kooky, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's just they're there to maybe just do research and they. I guess they have to teach. Um, but some of them were there because they want to teach. And those are the really good profs because mm-hmm. they break everything down. That's and they, important. Yeah. So it's just a mix of both. So we'll move on from the degree in a second. But <laughs> what is the value of a math degree to you? Like like now that you have a little perspective, getting that math degree, how has it helped you? Other than like not you're not a- applying it, <laughs> you know, specifically. But like what is it problem solving? Uh, what, what other awesome skills do you think you got from going through that definitely the problem solving and everything else is so much easier <laughs> yeah that's it eh? everything else is so much easier okay. um i i wrote my i have my cfa designation mm-hmm. and it taught me how to study hard put in the hours and just put my head down and there were times where i can just sit down for a good 10 12 hours and not move Mm. and just being able to have building that work ethic so you get the results that you need that's what it's really taught me it's not the material it's not it was never about the material it's about can you put in the effort and the hours to understand this and just get the results that you need to move on that and, was it. And you could probably apply that to a lot of degrees. It's just very different, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like than having to write essays, uh, you know, for the whole thing. Maybe you did have to write some essays. Uh, but it's like probably mostly problem solving. A lot of um, problem solving. With numbers test. and yeah. Greek letters mm-hmm. and all of the above. Yeah. Right? And things that we don't even can't even understand if you could probably yeah, you could probably language. draw out some nice uh <laughs> nice formulas for us that uh, are totally oh, man, insane looking <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah that's that's a really good point and uh obviously you had to be good enough at the math to, to you know obviously you're excelling in high school so they recommend you go this and then you just have to be like i'm gonna crack down as you said mm-hmm. okay so you get this degree so you have a what is it a bachelor of math mathematics, and ta- mathematics? Yes. Mm-hmm. and what do you do with it uh, so I specialized in finance. So you got to yeah, be okay. math. So you did yeah. have some finance in there. Mm-hmm. When did you When did you start touching on the finance part? Maybe Was that early sec- on? Yeah, second year. Because you choose your path very early on. And you can switch because, you know, you take the same fundamental math courses. Mm-hmm. I took my business. So I did, it's a math biz double major, uh, single degree. Okay, yeah. So I did my uh, business courses at Wilfrid Laurier. Those were the fun courses or uh, or rather, I would say the easier courses. So you knew that you liked business yes. and finance specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, the math kind of joins the, in together. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted, and I wanted to challenge myself. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a math degree. Let's just 
just go for it and see and yeah it worked out really well and i chose finance so i took a lot of uh finance theory courses derivatives derivatives yes stats mathematical stats because to me this the the, math and finance degree means to me that you're going to be working like in the back end of a trading floor or something like that something like that yeah was that the idea yeah i wanted to so i was in the co-op program as well okay um, so my first job, I worked at the government with the government, just administrative job. It was great. Um, it was a great first co-op job. What part of the government? Uh, provincial government. Okay. So it was it was the internal audit division. Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. Of like, uh, what? Not the CRA, but whatever. Yeah, we audited the inter- the provincial government on an internal basis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So internal audit. You audited the government. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. It's <laughs> a good place to be. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Having permission to say that the government is doing something wrong. It's <laughs> yeah. Your, it's like a, my. It's my job. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to, you know, work out all the inefficiencies. <laughs> and, and this was, so these were like uh, numerical audits, like you're looking at figures, that kind of thing. Like I think that was, I never did any of that. I was yeah. just a oh, student. But I think there were numerical and I think it was mainly that and maybe processes as well. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you, you started doing that. That was a co-op. That was you, a co-op. You get paid for these co-ops? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How did you pay for uh, school? co-op jobs really yeah that's how you paid for school mm-hmm. and wow. I, first year i did get an osap loan mm-hmm. so that was and that was my only loan that i got so i came i graduated from university with I don't know, like nine thousand dollars of osap and yeah. that was it which is it's like nothing. nothing yeah it's like uh, a third of what maybe some people exactly yeah because yeah. my the way my program was structured it was you do four months of school the first year eight months of school so it's like financially heavy on like your wallet. Um, and then after it's co-op work term and then four months of school and then four months of work, four months of school. So you're alternating working um, and getting these jobs, these internships where and they paid well. That's great. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. So you would recommend if somebody had a co-op 100%. opportunity. A hundred percent. Yeah, I should have gone to Laurier. Yeah, you know, I went to Western. And I got the general business. That it's now called BMOS, uh, mm-hmm. a Bachelor of Management Organizational Studies. It was a Bachelor of Administrative and Commercial Studies back then, and but I did get into the four-year uh, Laurier business program, which had co-op. Yeah, and that's a great. One. I didn't know the value of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was busy touring as a musician in the summers. Right, right. But you know, it had also been nice to to get early experience in business uh, oh, yeah. or doing whatever. Yeah. And yeah. so, how many did you have? How many co-ops? Uh, it was equivalent to two years of so work. How many different places? So I did. So the second job I got was at Loblaw Companies. No, oh, nice. And that was I did that for three terms, so basically one year. Okay. Um, and that was internal controls compliance. So a little bit similar to like along the lines of accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're auditing or testing controls like over like the processes within the organization to make sure there are no deficiencies, to make sure everything's in check and there's no room for fraud. This is what most chartered accountants do mm-hmm. is, well, or actually they have to do it to become a chartered accountant. Yes. Is field work and, and audit and, mm-hmm. and uh, auditing other companies. Exactly. And testing, as you said, so controls being things that they have in place to make sure that uh, everything's working as it's supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would, uh, if something was broken, maybe then they would look into it and try to the recommend. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what's happening? So you did that for equivalent of a year. Mm-hmm. 
so are you like loving auditing now? Because you're this is your experience. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I thought about, oh, maybe I should switch out of finance and pursue a CA. Yeah. And be an accountant like all of my other colleagues and mentors were all CAs. Sure. Or like they worked at Deloitte. They worked at EY. Yeah. They and it was it sounded so amazing. <laughs> but then there was one guy. Um, he's like, you should be an eye banker. I'm like, what? He's mm-hmm. like, you should be an investment banker. They make so much money. It's true. It is if true. you have the acumen for it. And mm-hmm. so so is that where you went? That was my next job. Okay. I got I got myself into investment banking. So I looked it up and I'm like, oh, this sounds really good. Like deal making and my major was in finance mm-hmm. and I get to put that to work. It sounded like a lot of fun. And then movies like Wall Street, like, uh, yeah, Wall Street. So so I looked into it and I said, OK, I'm going to get myself into IB. And so I did my research and just tried to apply to all the jobs, um, all the banks and stuff. And then luckily I was able to land my next job. Actually, no, it took another like I had to do one more work term at Loblaws before I was able to land myself a job in iBanking. So it took a a little bit. It's not really that long. But eventually I got myself into um, a small brokerage firm uh, in Toronto. Okay. So I did that for eight months straight. um, And then I went back to school for eight more months and then i graduated in 2008 right at the height of the recession good timing Uh um before we get into that Mm. so can you explain like in simple terms what does an investment banker do like because you know people talk about it a lot like Mm -hmm. making deals and and doing all this like what would be a typical in situation for an investment banker like that you saw or that you maybe you can did later if you want to jump ahead mm-hmm. so what investment banking entails is we help companies raise money in the capital markets okay. we help public companies raise money just to expand their businesses to to grow to just or private companies go public so they have access to capital so that that capital is money yes uh so <laughs> Companies need money so that they can spend it on things. I'm just going to break it down to a five-year-old level. To get that money, they could either go to a a regular bank Mm -hmm. uh, and borrow the money. Yes. Or they could issue shares or uh, look for private investors Mm -hmm. who have a lot of money Mm -hmm. and the investment bankers will either... Were you working for a bank? No, a small brokerage. So so we broker the transaction. A broker... Does a broker have money? No, our job is to find the money. You're so the we're the mid, yeah, we're the connector, okay, the yeah. middleman, uh, middle person in bridging the the investors, people that have money, and then the companies that need the money. Mm. So our job is to help the company be you know marketable so yep. we help them with their pitch decks their presentations and like this is what investors are looking for make sure you have these in line the sure. all the questions yeah. that they're going to ask make sure you have these ready okay. and then our and then in terms of working with the investors it's we ask them what are you looking for what do you want so then we'll bring them companies that they're interested in okay so it's like a it's a sales sort of job and, and relationship yeah. management mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thing and also understanding numbers yes. uh, enough, which is your your expertise, which is why you had value there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you did you know at this point, oh, you did a lot of retail jobs. You know you can work with people. You know that you're good at you know, sort of connecting and, mm-hmm. and managing people at this point. Yeah. Like yeah. I wanted to learn... It's a good balance between working with people, relationship management, and just sitting in front of a computer and working yeah. with numbers. Yeah, That's exactly. what I wanted. It was just it was a good balance. It wasn't uh, too heavy on either 
either side. Yeah, so it wasn't just uh, doing straight math exactly, calculations yeah. in the back end, mm-hmm. which you probably could have ended up getting a job I like that. <laughs> okay, so you you then you finished school. Did you end up going back to that brokerage? I did after a about almost a year after I graduated. Oh, what did you do during that year? I was unemployed. Okay, <laughs> yeah, oh, was, okay, so back to two thousand. Yeah. It's two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah, I was like jobs for everyone. Yes. No, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Actually, it was good. I, it was nice to have that break because. I was able to um, work on selling the house that I bought oh, um, okay. in Waterloo. So, yeah, let's step back then. Okay. okay so <laughs> how did you get money to buy a house if for, this is during school? Yes. So I read an article somewhere, little piece about, oh, this parent helped their kid buy a house in university. Yeah, there's was, there was a lot of articles was, about that but yeah, at, at that time. At yeah. that time, yes. Because you houses, listened. Yes. I'm like, and I made this pitch to my, I pitched it to my parents. I was like, look, I could do this. I could rent it out. I don't have to pay anyone rent. And, you know, it's it can actually be manageable and we can make money. And you'll be there for at least four years. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, what, your parents bought this? Well, Yeah. <laughs> Well, then have like all the cash, but we leveraged our house in Markham with the equity. So it was an equity line of credit um, off our current house uh, that we were living in. And we used that as a down payment. And if I can remember, I think the house cost $160,000 at that time. In total. Yeah, in total. Yeah. And and that is unheard of right now. Unheard of, yeah. Yeah. Like you (laughs) can't get that ever again here. Well, how big was it? It was a three-bedroom, three-washroom townhouse. Wow. So you're in one and you rent out two others? In one room. Yeah, and the basement. There was a basement. So you lived in it, though? I lived in it, yeah, for the second, for a good, yeah, for for a year and then... My boyfriend at the time, he did the same thing. He bought a house. Oh, he did it too. He did it too. Yeah, and oh. then I moved in with him, so I was able to rent out my whole house. So you, oh yeah, wow. <laughs> so you have a you have an income property while you're in school. Yeah. Now, of course, your parents uh, mm-hmm. contributed. They helped. The, yeah. The, so how much did you have to put down? Like twenty percent? Uh, we put down fifty percent oh, because the house, because we got like eighty thousand dollar line of credit. We just put wow. that towards the mortgage, and then eighty thousand dollar mortgage. And I suppose the risk is very low in this kind of situation because you would have been living there no matter, mm-hmm. and you would have had to have been paying rent, which is probably equivalent to the mortgage payments, anyhow. Mm-hmm, right? Exactly. It was it was profitable. Mm. It was um, easy to manage, and. Um, and I was working co-op, so I had some some income. But what about, the, you said, home equity line of credit? And I had to pay the interest on that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the rent from the house was able to pay that, plus whatever remaining what, $80,000 yeah. $80, mortgage. Mm-hmm. Plus the condo fees, uh, plus whatever yeah, like, okay. utilities. So that all, like that. that all covered up. Yeah. Was, uh, th- that wasn't stressful. You did all the numbers. I did all the numbers. Was it stressful? Yes, it was stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's, eh? it's labor intensive. Right? Sure. You have to get people. It's a to, job. Yeah, to hustle and find students. And it was pretty, it was getting competitive because at that time, there were builders that were coming in. They were buying up like duplexes or they were building um, places. and maybe cheaper places yeah cheaper places the downside was my place was a little bit further out from the university yeah so i had a little bit of trouble attracting some students because most students didn't have a car but still there was like there was a bus line and then there are obviously the occasional students that do have a car and they would like i never had much of an issue renting it out okay so you were able to to figure it out mostly it's just good mm-hmm. to talk about the pros and cons because sometimes we were like oh got a house early and, yes. and just had all this success and and then that it paid for itself mm-hmm. and or like sean cooper i lived in the basement right yeah and, and mm-hmm. uh and paid the house paid for itself 
and it all sounds so you know wonderful. It sounds glamorous. It sounds easy, but it, it's not it's not, not easy, right? No. There's maybe there's a roof that needs replacing here exactly. and there. So I mean, maybe you can chat about uh, any. Did you have like a couple of big incidents that happened in the four years or longer? Oh did yeah, yeah. That, that was like maybe the, pick one or yeah. Two? The I think the water the water heater broke, so there was a leak in the basement, okay, and yeah. I wasn't living in the house at the time. But luckily, I lived close enough, so you know. It was a good landlord. I rushed over right away and I was like, okay, all right, like we're going to get this fixed right now just because there were people living there yeah. and I just, you have to be responsible. You don't want to be a bad landlord. You don't want people to write bad things about you and it's That's not comfortable. Right. Like people are paying you rent, so you have to do your job. So stuff like that will happen. And it was a fairly new house. It was about um, six or seven years old when I bought it. Okay. So it's Compared to like a lot of the other houses there, it's a fair, it's a relatively new house. It was nice. I didn't foresee any other than that. There were no structural issues or anything yeah, like that. Just you know, things happen. Things are working constantly. Water heaters, you know, mm-hmm. furnaces. Yeah, it's like the fact that they don't break down more often is surprising to me. That's right. Know? Yeah. So I guess it maybe says that these are pretty hardily built things. Mm-hmm. And so you had to replace that, and was that a significant cost? And where would you get the money at the time? Um, I think we we replaced it. Um, I think I started leasing it. Okay, so you, you were able yeah. to spread the cost. Yeah, out. exactly. That's that's the thing. I'm like, I don't want to put up any like upfront capital sure. on this. So yeah. if I can like spread it out, then I will do that. Yeah, okay. So, so that's pretty good. But mm-hmm. like these are things that you got to take care of. You must might have been in the middle of uh, studying for an exam. Or, exactly. You know, or, yeah. who, or who knows what. You might have been out of town. Exactly. We, you know, we don't think about... Um, you know the job that it is and exactly. uh, you know you can you can contract it out to somebody else but then mm-hmm. if that's your property right exactly so okay so you have this and you're it's pay, you're paying down this remaining mm-hmm. mortgage and the the line of line of credit mm-hmm. interest but not not the principal itself I think it was in, just interest yeah yeah okay it's yeah. interesting mm-hmm. and uh, no pun intended there <laughs> Now it's 2008, mm-hmm. and you have this house. Which do you remember how much uh, of the mortgage was left? A lot. It was. It's only been a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I just wanted it. Um, I didn't want to take care of it anymore. I didn't want to. Like I just didn't want anything to do with it. I'm like, okay, I just want to sell it and move on with my life. Okay. So there's another lesson that you now you have this asset, and, mm-hmm. and if you're trying to do something else with your life, you gotta. Exactly. Like I don't want to drive, deal with it. Yeah, I don't want to drive back and forth, and then I have to find students every year or every okay. ter- Yeah, I just didn't want. I just didn't want to have that anymore. And the real estate market back then was certainly nothing like how it is no. now. Right? Oh wow! So, uh, so you bought it in what two thousand four? Two thousand and five or six. Okay, yeah, five or six. Yeah. And now so, two thousand eight. Yeah. And you want you want to sell it during mm-hmm. a financial crisis? Yeah, exactly. It was right before, and I <laughs> oh off, my god, and, yeah, and I got rid of it right before the market dipped a bit. Okay. At that point, so I was very lucky. Wow. I had one offer, and I took it. Okay. One offer. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> in, just <laughs> in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not. It's a totally different world yeah. uh, these days. But mm-hmm. okay, so two thousand eight. So you got rid of that. Mm-hmm. Able to pay back the yep. line of credit. Yep, everything paid off. Yep. What? Bank some money? Make a little bit of money, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Couple, yeah. That is that that becomes savings for you or for your parents or what what happens to that money? Actually, I gave it to my parents because at that time nice. my dad wasn't working either. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like here just I'm not just take it. I I don't well, I don't need it. I'm, well, you I'm have a earning I have, potential. I have earning potential, yeah. even though I was unemployed. But then my dad also wasn't working. My mom wasn't working. So I was like, all right, well, here you go. Here's obviously it's the right thing to do. That's and cool. Yeah. How are you paying for your living expenses? Working 
uh, other jobs? Yeah. So I graduated. So I started racking up some debt yeah, because okay. um, I wasn't working. And even though like I made some money off the house, I still gave the money to my parents because I was like, I yeah. can manage this. It's fine. Right. This is credit card debt. Credit card debt. Okay. Um, because when I started working my co-op jobs, I started getting credit cards. Yes. Yep. And you are employed now. Exactly. And I was so a you're getting big, a credit score. Mm-hmm. I was a big girl. I was like, here mm. I am adulting. Here are credit cards. <laughs> and, and I had to travel a bit for work as well. Okay. Um, and so I thought I was just, you know, just a baller and <laughs> started buying things. And the companies, they just show up on your campus. Yep. And somehow I don't know. I can't even remember how I was given my first one but um but you got it i got it yeah and you were what somewhat responsible during school or i was were they out did they always have a balance there were balances yeah and i remember at one point i was really stressed i'm like how did i get myself into this Mm -hmm. like i just i start spending and but i was like oh i'm working next month or next semester i can pay it off but then i never did Mm. i just kept like it was just a vicious cycle and then I'm like okay I gotta pay for tuition I gotta it all added up and then it didn't help that my boyfriend at the time was also addicted to credit cards okay. and spending and we were just all about racking up our cards and living a good life like we were like you a know competition yeah it was a competition and it was like oh we're, we live better than other students kind of thing right <laughs> so we were very we felt very entitled we were very mm. obviously looking back it was very stupid okay But at one point, I remember, okay, I'm so stressed about money. And what I did was I wrote a letter to my school and basically begging them for money. I'm like, I'm so stressed. I can't study. I don't know what to do. Mm. I applied for OSAP, but I got nothing. I think they gave me $100. Wow, really? (laughs) Yeah. And Mm. then what happened was I got a reply and they're like, okay, here's a $1,200 bursary. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it was very nice. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know I could I didn't know I could do that. But hey, like there's financial aid for a reason. The resources okay. are there. Um and I was like I was obviously I was thrilled. It didn't obviously pay off my entire balance, but no, I was like, but oh. it, it gave me a, a little push. Yeah, it was a nice push. I so was people really can just through. do this. They can just write into yeah. or go to their financial aid office and exactly. have a conversation with someone and say I'm, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with this and that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I tell, like, you know, students, if you're really struggling, just ask your school. Schools have money, right? It's just you have to, you know, if it takes writing a letter, sending in some proof, then do it. Obviously, it's worth it. So you are racking up credit card debt Mm -hmm. during this year and Mm -hmm. applying for jobs left and right. Yes. Applying to go back to this brokerage that you, Mm because you had a good time there. Yeah. And I asked them, I'm like, hey, can I come back and work? And they're like, we'd love to have you, but there's just nothing. Business is so slow right now. Sure. Because they're a small brokerage, they have to manage their headcount. Yeah. So how long did it take? One exactly one year from when I graduated, they hired me back. But right before that, I managed to get back into the provincial government. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did that for a few months. I was working there. They paid me minimum wage, which I was okay with because at one point I'm like, I gotta find work. It's better than nothing. Yeah. yeah. So then, um, and then it was I I knew I wasn't gonna be there for long, but at least I was able to make money, fill up my time, and then that's and at that time I started writing my I started studying for my CFA level one. Okay, so this is Chartered Financial Analyst? Yes. This is less of a, like a, a personal finance sort of job that you're mm-hmm. in than more of a Corporate b- finance. big business. Yeah, and so yeah. they want you to have 
really good financial mm-hmm. analyst ability. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sort of for making yeah. the deals. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're back, you go back in there mm-hmm. and then, and, and then where does that take you? Like how long, how long do you stay and are you making big deals? Um, yeah, I was there for a good six years. Six years. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm like a banker. <laughs> I'm going to do deals. And okay. it was, it was a nice ride. It was um, yeah. during, we were very resource focused. So when oil was just skyrocketing, when gold was booming, mm. um, everyone was it was it was great. Everyone made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, until we didn't. <laughs> okay, and then did it close or? Yes, we got uh, we actually got acquired in 2014 by a competitor. Okay. It was it was 100 percent employee owned. Yeah. So it was just like shareholders like just fighting with each other management it was crazy it was very wow. dramatic it should actually be a movie <laughs> yeah well the, yeah. there are similar movies mm-hmm. i'm sure but like what are, what are they fighting over just the direction of the company that kind of thing or yeah like how it was to be managed what was our exit strategy so it was no i think we like you know speaking i guess like from the point of view of the of management and the biggest shareholders they're like, oh, no, one person wanted to sell the business mm-hmm. and get their money back. The other wanted to keep going and try to ride through, you know, just weather the storm. Like we can go get through this. It's it's cyclical. Yeah. So eventually we're going to get out of this. Right. So a lot of conflicts right there. Mm. Um, couldn't agree on just a lot of disagreements um, and then the differences in personalities. But ultimately it's. Look what happens when money gets in the way. Yeah, it just, it just brings out the ugly in people. Well, and, and what, how do you fit in here? So you're you're making deals, you're making money. Mm-hmm. Now now you're banking. Uh, now you're starting to bank a lot of money. Yeah, I made good money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so twenty something year old, yeah, paying off the credit cards. Everything paid everything off. Did you? Are you like I hate credit cards at this point, or oh, you're yeah. like I'm using them because I'm making money and I'm living the life? Where like, did you have a shift of? Uh, oh yeah, I said one. I will never be unemployed again. Okay, yeah. I will <laughs> never have credit card debt again. Yeah, yeah. So that was as soon as I paid it off, I was like, okay, I'm so happy. Like I feel so good. I can start investing mm-hmm. and then i started investing this is the first time that you really have money to invest yeah other than the house which was a, house, a very specific yeah. situation mm-hmm. right a home equity yeah. line of credit mm-hmm. to get a living place for you and maybe make some money exactly but you learned about investing in school a little, did, a little yeah. bit yeah but more more like the technical parts of it right not did you learn about the emotional parts of investing in school? Nothing with nothing to do with emotional no. stuff. And but I, I did read. I did start reading investment books when I was uh, during university. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so you started more started, personal yeah. finance ones. Yeah, just yeah, like Warren Buffett, Peter yeah. Lynch. I started reading those when I was like in second, third year. Okay, um, as recommended by my cousin, I really looked up to him. He taught me a lot about investing, mm-hmm. and he's like, read these books. Start with this. So then I read it. I loved it. Um, and I actually put some money to work. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna buy." I think Air Canada was my first stock that I purchased, okay, and okay. then I, and then my cousins like that is one of the worst investments you can make <laughs> because you know those guys like Warren Buffett will be like those are the worst types of investments because they're the fixed costs are so high. Mm. So that's one of the first lessons, like first things that they tell you: avoid these types of businesses. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So so when you say investing, especially at this time. You're talking about like value investing, finding companies, specific companies to buy. 
Yeah, companies at, the, um, at this time. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. so, but yeah, value, but more so like fundamental. Okay. Right? So I wasn't like I wasn't really like I, I was reading it, but I didn't really fully understand what I was reading. Sure. I just wanted to be like just invest and make money. I was like, oh, Air Canada is so cheap right now. Well, why are they cheap? They're like nearing bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, right? So in terms of value investing, it's not necessarily the case where just because it's cheap, it's a good buy. It's yeah. cheap for a reason. Yes. So, and so you read a Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what would be a uh, would would have been a takeaway, or maybe a takeaway today from say his style, like that, that you've incorporated into what you what you do. Buy businesses that you understand. Um, buy businesses that have um, moats, like solid competitive advantages, okay. um, and businesses that will be around in you know, 20, 50 years. And how do you, how do you know that you're doing a lot of reading? Now you first, you're uh, mm-hmm. like, you're pretty good at research at this point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, lo- <laughs> you're looking into your, your financial analyst, charter financial analyst, which means you, you're reading a lot, right? Yes. About the world, uh, like a world economy, that kind of stuff yeah, too? Yeah, like business news, um, financial yeah. reports, annual reports, comp- like analyzing uh, companies just digging deep into everything, like their business models, um, their financials. Just so you're learning. understanding it, like a business inside out, exactly. Before you decide to invest in them, yes, yes, yeah. So and that that's a you know. So if somebody is has that mind or interest, mm-hmm. right? I, is it more about interest? If, if this stuff is is interesting to you, then go for it rather than, and then you can understand it as you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to take an interest in it. It's not for everyone Yeah, because it's, you know, you're sifting through like pages of annual reports and, you know, like lawyers put these documents together, right? Yeah, They're yeah. not exactly, <laughs> it's not exactly the most, fu- the funnest thing to read, but you have to take an active interest in it and you, you have to keep, you, you have to understand like why you're doing it. It's like, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm investing. I'm buying a piece of a company. I'm going to be ultimately an owner of this. So I want to know what's going on. I want to make sure that my money is not going to go to zero. So you have to have that type of mentality as opposed to, oh, it's so, this company is so sexy. It's, um, it's going to have like double digit growth forever kind of thing. And, you know, whatever the media is splashing and headlines, right? You got to dig way deeper than. So whatever the sort of, almost the legal reports they have to issue the truth mm-hmm. that yeah. they have to put out. Look at those versus exactly. like what's in the newspaper. A hundred percent. You yeah. got to look at the risks, right? You always have to look for the risks. What is your downside? What is the worst case scenario? And that's one of the things that he teaches you. It's like, you have to, un- you have to know your downside first and foremost. Everything else is, like everything else is a bonus. No one ever worries about whether a stock is going to do well. You worry if it's going to do poorly. Yeah, yeah. Right? You so want to oh, protect. Worried. Yeah, that, oh, I'm yeah. worried it's going to go up 50%. No, no one worries <laughs> about that, right? It's, oh, shoot, I'm worried that they're going to, you know, lose sales, lose market share. Yeah. And my money's going to, like, go down, right? That's what we, you have to mitigate your risks and know what you're in for. Yeah, so is this how you still invest today? For uh, sure, yeah. yeah. And so you just mm-hmm. you build your own portfolio of... of uh, like, do you specifically buy different kinds of companies or you just buy companies that you know are, I guess, maybe currently are going to do well and currently undervalued? Is that the idea? Yeah. So yeah. I do I do pick my own stocks. When I started investing, it was um, I got into it in 2010 and 11. 
2010 when I started loading up on a lot of the U.S. stocks. Okay. At that time, the U.S. was starting to recover. So everything was still so cheap. Like yeah. that crash was, it was a huge crash. It's It was just significant. And you could have bought anything. You would have made money. So it was like bargain basement it was prices for, for companies that are probably going to be around for exactly. decades to come. Yeah. And you have this opportunity to buy. And so you just do your research and you buy a exactly. whole bunch of them. Yeah. So like bank stocks. Canadian um, banks or U.S. banks? U.S. banks. U.S. banks. Okay. The ones that survived. The ones that survived. Yeah. The ones <laughs> okay. that have like a good footprint. The ones yeah. that are less pegged to, you know, capital markets. Because it's very, it's more volatile. Sure. With like their derivatives trading and who knows what else they're doing. They're, just right? they're, off, they're taking risks left Exactly. Right. Like okay. they're off balance sheet transactions. So, you know, mm. companies like Wells Fargo, they're more like consumer, um, ba- like B to C. Those are the more stable types of banks yeah okay Mm -hmm. so like a lot of this is your education first of all your education your degree and then your experience working in a brokerage and then getting your cfa Mm -hmm. this is where you got a lot of this ability to even understand all this stuff that you're saying Mm -hmm. right and reading yeah 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 Uh, can you like can i just go and figure this stuff out like if i like, do I, I have to have the interest, right? You, you, have, you, to have, you have to have interest if you first. Have interest, you okay, let's say it. I have interest, <laughs> but I know nothing about finance. Mm-hmm. Are you, can you teach me? Is that what, is that what you're doing lately? Yeah. Well, first I actually started, um, I wanted to teach people how to pick stocks. Oh, so that was the first that thing. That was initial okay, thing. Wait, so yeah. let, let, let's, uh. So the company goes well under acquired, mm-hmm. and then you you leave or you you get uh, I got laid, laid off. off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is that when you decide what you want to do or you're just thinking about what you're going to do next? Oh, I took some time off. That's you for took sure. Time off. Yeah, I took time off. So how do you, uh, how can you take time off? You, you can afford it at this point? At that point I could afford. Yeah. yeah. I negotiated my severance. Nice. I had a nice six figure portfolio by then. Okay. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I have options. What do I do? I could do literally whatever I want. This is right. Four years ago? Four years. Yes, that's right. Four about, years ago, 2014. Yeah. yeah 2014. Okay. Yeah. So you take time off. You're looking and so you're thinking about what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And this is, I want to teach people the stuff that I know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, I, w- I thought I wanted to get back into banking. And then I did get a gig in venture capital. So that was like a four month um, contract that I did. Very similar to what you were doing at a brokerage, like helping um, people connect people with other people to fe- invest in. More in so them? I was on the in- the investor side. So okay. venture capital, this company, um, they had the money. So no, they okay. were picking companies to invest Great. in. Great. So you're, you're just one side of what you would exactly, be Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So this was a, it was a good side. It was a fun yeah. side. Also, but <laughs> you got same, the buckets of money. Yeah. And, yeah where Sim- to put them. S- similar things. We had to dig into companies, look sure. at their financials and their business models and be like, should we be putting money into this? Okay. So you did that for a little bit. So I did that for a little bit. And then after I said, okay, I'm, I was done with the job. I was going through the interviewing process and I said, okay, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. I've always wanted my own business. Mm-hmm. I figured, oh, I've learned so many things on Bay Street working yeah. in finance. People need to know what's up. Yeah, Pe- right? There's so much that people need to know. There's a lot of stuff that goes on and I wanted to share the knowledge. Well, it's nice of you because a lot of people want to keep it to themselves and just get yeah, richer. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's, that was the thing. I was like, I can share this or I can just continue working in capital markets, drive on, make, you know, good, make a great living and that's it. But then I said, okay, well, how can I help people? I just want to help people. Um, And one of the most common questions I've always been asked was, what should I invest in? Yeah. 
So Just then generally, yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay, well, people want to know what to invest in. All right, I'll, I'll start showing them. So I was like, all right, well, I pick my own stocks. So I'll teach them how I think and how I pick my own yeah. stocks. And then I quickly realized, okay, most people should not be picking they their don't. own stocks. <laughs> okay, good. Because as I was writing this, um, writing the, the chapters and the content, um, I'm like, okay, how am I going to break this down for them? Because I want to make it, I wanted them to understand it as well. So it was, it's a bit challenging, but then I also realized, will people put effort into this? Will they invest the time? Mm. So, so this is an online course um, at the time? At the time, it was just a book. I was just okay, typing so, it so out. Okay, you're so start, you're starting your book. This yeah. is the, the famous book that I, <laughs> I love this book. It's so colorful <laughs> and you. it's got great illustrations and it's just really kind of easy to look at and, mm-hmm. and read. Um, uh, but it doesn't. Well, at the time of the airing, it should exist, right? Yes, exactly. And, and we'll we'll talk about it at the end, and maybe we'll give some away. So you're this is the beginnings of your book. You 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 knew you wanted to write a book at that time. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll just write a book. I mean, I did math. I didn't know writing. In <laughs> no, school, no, yeah. Right? But at this that is a different time, kind of book, though. It's, it's not diff- you yeah. know. It's not your well. It's a little bit larger, yeah. which I like, and um, the illustrations. It's <laughs> and it and would you describe it as a workbook? Is that how you? Yeah, I like to describe it. Yeah, a workbook. Yeah, because you, you want people write to write it, all over it. Write in it, color in it. You know, coloring reduces. I love anxiety. all of the things that you can color. Like just while you're looking at something, yeah. you just color in the thing. Exactly, draw in it. Yeah. It makes it your own, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, the front, the front page is colorful. That's 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 your beginning but mm-hmm. on the inside is it is it all black and white there's some black and white there are some colored illustrations okay so there's a couple here there's and there couple, but yeah mostly stuff that you can just get yourself a couple of markers and, mm-hmm, exactly. and go to town yeah on. color in it if and, you feel like scribbling right okay well you you were talking to people and they're like i don't want to pick my own stocks or i'm not, you didn't realize they'd be terrible at this mm-hmm. uh, is this your friends who who are who are you finding is needing this like yeah. at this time yeah so at that time it was just my friends right my my circle a lot of them would just have money sitting in a savings account and then you know i saw how busy their lives were what they were doing and then i said okay you are not going to invest time into this and i wouldn't really trust you to pick your own stocks especially if you're not you're not going to put the time in i see that you kind of have no interest in it Mm. so at the bare minimum what do you need to do yeah okay so then my book started took a detour and just went down that path and like what is the bare minimum you need to do and that is all right just invest in index funds yeah diversified funds and that's it at the bare minimum you make an average return yeah there's nothing wrong with that something I, that will grow over time exactly nothing that's not you're gonna you're not gonna make 20 percent in a year well you might get 20 percent in one year but the in next year, year you year might be minus year, yeah. 10 percent so exactly. the, the idea is it'll mimic the market mm-hmm. over uh, 15 20 30 years and uh, it'll grow. Exactly. And versus you, sitting in the savings account. Exactly. And you will do just fine just by doing that. And if you're consistent, and that's it. So you're teaching people how to just how to buy ETFs, index funds? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the first That's the first bit. Mm-hmm. And then if they want to get a little uh, more robust, you go into that too? Or? Yeah. Like if you want to build around your core. So I say, hey, build your core first. Yeah. Solid. Um, ET, like a few, so like just a few ETFs, you know, like some U.S. um, some U.S. funds, maybe some Canadian funds. If you're Canadian, don't put too much um emphasis on 
being like it's called home-based buys you don't want everything canadian sure sure so international like solid um you know developed countries um those types of etfs like in europe invest in europe invest in asia like countries like singapore hong kong like don't neglect these types of countries they have different industries different sectors very different from canada canada is very resource heavy okay so just educating them on um, the different types of investment opportunities that are out there. And why diversity is important and, and mm-hmm. why why it's good. Be, like when something happens in the world economy, certain mm-hmm. things will go up, certain things will exactly. go down. And so having a balance is just good for that. And not just within a country, within the world mm-hmm. and you know, different currencies and all this kind of stuff are involved i'm sure in all these different uh things to make them all diversified and balanced the the book is is done basically Mm -hmm. i guess i'm looking at it (laughs) but is that the only copy no right that is that's a draft copy this is a draft this is your draft copy and so but by the time this uh is airing you'll have a whole bunch it will be out yes it's due for release in december yeah okay so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'll post something in the show notes about we're going to give away like what three copies three copies yeah yeah three yeah. copies to three different people mm-hmm. and uh yeah i'll put all the details it's probably january right now uh, 2019 we'll just say that yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh, that's the okay. goal it yeah. might be february right now i don't that's know fine. right yeah. we'll find out mm-hmm. and uh so this is this book is really really cool and uh it's mostly il- uh, is it all illustrations of you mostly it's, it is me and I, I think it's great because um, you're it's like you're stuff. like a superhero, you know? I guess, yeah. I think my best friend is in here, too. <laughs> okay, yeah, I and, love it. And Faye, that my illustrator, I think her mom's in here, too. You and this know? is presenting it in a way that is just accessible to people and makes it more engaging. Was that yeah. the, your goal from the beginning? Yeah, um, very inviting, not intimidating, and definitely not boring. So yeah. I have this thing where life should not be boring, like, the only thing that should be boring may be your core portfolio. Yeah, it's sure. <laughs> stocks. Yeah, invest in boring but stocks. But you want the rest, of, you want investing to be a little more exciting. Exactly. Okay. And th- just the way it's presented because yeah. you know, I've read a number of books, finance books, finance blogs, and I'm going through it. I'm like, wow, this is kind of boring. And if I find it boring and I actually understand this stuff, I can't imagine anyone else. So that was my angle. I'm like, it, why is it? Why does it have to be dry? So then I'm like, okay, well, and especially coming from, you know, as a woman and I understand how women think and mm-hmm. talking to all my friends and they need you know a lot of handholding. So I create this book where it's very step by step and a lot of people get very anxious around money. Yeah. So then there's this whole thing about, oh, like coloring books started surfacing and people are coloring because it reduces the anxiety. So it's, it's such like, a great thing. I love it. Mm-hmm, yeah. So then I'm, all right, all right, I'm just going to blend everything in together. You can color, do your finances, but at the same time, you're going to learn about this stuff that would really help you out in life. This is about managing your life's resources and this is about financial literacy. This is about, you know, building your, you know, financial wealth, building your future. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I saw a couple of your videos on YouTube and, yeah, you know, you talked about how it's really important for, for women to take control mm-hmm. of their financial situation. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Going through a job loss um, and being unemployed after school, it was just, you know, it's it's hard. It's stressful. Um, it can get depressing. So there's I, I stress the importance of always being prepared for when life happens. Mm-hmm. 
and I was also in a 12-year relationship. Okay. Um, so that ended when I was uh, around the same time I was laid off. So okay. at that time, like life hit me. Everything sure, hit me at all the same at once. time. Yeah. yeah, sometimes that happens. Exactly. Right? When it rains, it pours. That's right. At the time, I was living in a condo downtown with my boyfriend. And it was, you know, it was a messy breakup. And uh, one of the things he tried to do was dangle that carrot in front of me and be like, hey, you never have to work again if you stick around. Mm. And yeah, and then I was like, mm. what a, what a, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna say anything about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it was just these things. And then you know, as I as I was recovering, as I was healing, and I'm going on forums and reading about you know relationships and you know what people go through, and you know, I came across a forum where I was reading about these women that were stuck in very abusive relationships, physically abusive relationships. And I'm like, and they had to because they're like, I'm not, I rely on my husband financially. I can't leave him because I have no money and he's the breadwinner. That's terrible. It's terrible. And I'm like, and my heart was breaking. And I'm like, this should not be the case. So you had and a they, little bit of a taste of that. From yeah. Like that, this whole like, oh, I could be financially you know, mm-hmm. free or, or you exactly. know, no worries. But even though you're, you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you can imagine, you know, the, the not being able to go when you really, really want exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what uh, really breaks my heart when I see things like that. And that's why I take, that's why I stress you have to be in control of your money. Everyone has, like guy or girl, anybody, like you yeah. have to have your own account. You have to have, like, you have to be independent from your your spouse when it comes to money because it's not just about like just in case there's a divorce it's what if like he gets the, your spouse gets hit by a bus or yeah, something right life really happens point. illness anything and and i still hear about it nowadays where you know i talk to women they're like oh well you know my husband's a cfo like that's great until like what if something happens and knock on wood it's it's just those things that life can hit you and you you just you don't want to be not prepared for it, right? Mm-hmm. At least the fundamentals, and that's that's mm-hmm. what you're focusing on in terms of investing, right? Mm-hmm. Like at least you know probably the first bit of the book is is just getting into the basics, mm-hmm. right? Personal finance, yeah. yeah. And and even if you do that, like that's that's more than a lot of people have. But Definitely, yeah, I, I yeah. like the uh, the idea that you, you can't rely. It's not it's not because you're afraid. Uh, uh, you know, or you're worried that somebody's gonna leave, or, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's so that if something happens that you're not expecting, mm-hmm. you understand. You at least understand what to do. Exactly, you have yeah. options, so you're not cornered. And there's, you know, money is is just one of those things that can really. And I talk about it in the intro of my book. It's like people fight over it, people die over it, people mm-hmm. like relationships are torn over it so it's like you might as well try to make it as easy as possible on your life we all have it mm -hmm. we all exactly it affects all of us exactly yeah you know it's not everybody has a car you know that's right yeah but everybody has money exactly so if you don't know everything about cars fine yeah that's that's great Mm -hmm. you know you can take the bus and and, and be in somebody else's car again (laughs) that's that's relying on them but but you have money like you are always be making money and spending money exactly and you gotta, you gotta yeah. take control. Exactly, right? and I say, hey, if you know how to spend money, you are gonna learn how to manage it yeah. properly. <laughs> and that's it. There are no excuses. So you know how to make and spend money. You're you're gonna learn how to manage it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, so we might as well say the title of the book because uh, the hour just flew by. Oh, wow. Usually, it's uh, you know, it's just an hour. I I look at the time and it's like 
10 minutes and then I look and it's like an hour, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> so it's yeah. really because nice that means we're in conversation. Mm -hmm. And so the sassy investor mm -hmm. uh, is the name of the book, yes. Right? Uh, the sassy investor. The sassy investor. Yeah, yeah. I see the I see the the yeah. there. Yeah, the sassy investor investment workbook. You do call it a workbook. Yeah, it's, so yes, great. Yes. So and uh, uh, Michelle Hung mm -hmm. is you, That's and me. Uh, and the illustrations by Fei Lu. That your friend Fei. Yes. And this is going to be you're going to figure out distribution at some point. Do you know what you're going to do with it? Like where people will buy mm -hmm. yep, online? It yep, it will be available on. Uh, Amazon chapters. Um, so for now, yeah. So definitely available online and on my website as well, which is uh, www.thesassyinvestor.ca. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming to the studio. It was really great, and thanks for stepping out of the the IB world, as you call mm -hmm. it, to uh, to share all this stuff and help people. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, obviously, love sharing my story and any insights I can provide. Any, you know, anyone's life I can have a positive effect on. As you know, I'm on a mission. I want to spread financial literacy and help as many people as possible. Perfect. So thesassyinvestor.ca, and people can. Uh, contact you and uh, you they can work with you if they want For directly sure, yeah. too right mm -hmm. not just the book but and you have uh other products too yeah i have a, a, a membership site yeah so you can join for nine bucks a month um again very accessible for everyone lots of fun videos i work very hard not to be boring yeah um so everything's just fun i'm on instagram um, at the sassy investor so you can follow me for a lot of tips um and yeah just check me out and you know, love to like hear from you and connect with people. Perfect. Thanks so much, Michelle. Great. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there subscribing, please leave me a five-star rating or write a review or do both of those things. If you're already a subscriber, that's fantastic. Please join my Facebook group so that I can know who you are and thank you personally. To find the group, go to Facebook and search for The Personal Finance Show. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Personal Finance Show. I'll be back next week with the godfather of Canadian personal finance, Tom Drake.